Whew. How's everyone doing now? <laughs> uh, it is a good thing we have each other. It's a good thing that we're able to hold each other up in prayer. <clears throat> um, some of you may have noticed that uh, we, we have our service around a meal. What? You might have noticed that. Um, the whole rest of our, our series that we're currently on in, in John uh, also happens around a meal. Uh, this is the, we're, we're stepping into, we've been looking at for the past couple weeks, uh, the last week uh, of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. And in our sermon last week, we talked about how Jesus, at the beginning of the meal, says right there in the text, at the beginning of the meal, uh, Jesus stripped down and, and began to wash his disciples' feet. And this conversation that we're going to be working our way through over the next month or so, coming to Easter, is, is happening around that meal. This conversation is going on over the course of that meal. Uh, and that's going to continue to be the context of, of where this is happening. Uh, from now, we're, we're still in chapter 13, all the way until chapter 18 of John. That, that's all, all happening with Jesus and his disciples eating together. And as we also eat together, that, that feels sort of appropriate. Um, Yeah, you know what? Let's let's step into this. Um, this is going to be a bit of a turn. I'm sorry. There's no way to there's no way to really adjust for that. Um, that prayer needed to happen. So let's 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 step into the text. Uh, we're going to be John 13, starting in verse 31 to the end of the chapter. Judas is just given. Or Jesus has just given Judas a piece of bread and sent him out. And, and he begins talking to the rest of the disciples here. He says, When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself, and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I have told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Repeat themselves three times there, that might be important. <laughs> Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? Jesus replied, Where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times.
Where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. You will follow later. That's good. Peter's response is, is quite ironic, actually, uh, following Jesus' command here. Um, Jesus, this is before he's died for his disciples, obviously, telling them, love one another as I have loved you. That is, self-sacrificially. And, and they're not fully aware of this yet, but, but he's going to show them very shortly, even to the point of death, if necessary. And so Peter, with that being the, the, the background, which, which Jesus is working with, but which Peter is not fully aware of, Peter, being told he can't follow Jesus yet, says, I will die for you. It's ironic. Peter doesn't even realize that this is very close to what Jesus is getting at. It's very close. He's almost there. Uh, the difference is that Peter is still stuck thinking in worldly terms. Uh, Peter is thinking in terms of laying down his life while Jesus takes on the powers that be and brings change and is crowned king. Jesus, Messiah, Christ in Jerusalem. In that battle, Peter is willing to die for Jesus. That's understandable. It's understandable that Peter will be thinking that way. When Jesus and his crew of disciples entered Jerusalem just a few days before this, it had been to great fanfare. Crowds have been shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Wow. Peter is still wrapped up in that celebration. Peter, and, and probably the others too, they're, they're thinking, here it is. We've been keeping away from Jerusalem since Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Because people have been planning to kill him. People clearly haven't forgot about Lazarus, though. Uh, they were doing everything short of crowning Jesus as he came into the city. No wonder the people plotting to, Jesus, plotting to kill Jesus hadn't made an attempt yet. They can't do anything about it. We have the support of the people. This is the perfect time. We're about to take this place over and reclaim Jerusalem. We'll drive the Romans out. Hate those guys. We'll bring in reforms against corruption. We're going to have a pure Israel again. And Jesus is going to be the king. And we'll be right there with him. Let's do this. I'm all in. And if we have to fight, we fight. There's nothing I would rather die for than this. That's probably something like what's going on in Peter's head. And that kind of explains why he's so uncomfortable with, with Jesus washing his feet in our passage from last week. It's not a very kingly image, Jesus. You've you got to start thinking about, about your image. About how things look. You can't be washing my feet as a king. That's not going to go over well. Peter's reaction last week as well, when, when Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Ooh. Peter wants a part in Jesus. And he wants a part in the kingdom he thinks they're about to take back. Peter sees himself as the leader of this group of disciples. Among the disciples, he's, 
He's sort of the main guy. Being told all of a sudden, you're not going to have a part in me right as the coronation is about to happen. Oh, all right. Wash the whole rest of me too. I can't, I can't miss out on this. And now, here, Jesus is saying, I'm about to disappear. And you're not going to be able to follow me. Not yet. Wow. That really freaks Peter out. Because of course it does. This isn't, this isn't a flippant promise from Peter. This is desperation and shock. Why, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. I'll do anything. To Peter, it probably sounds like Jesus is either about to leave and miss this chance to take power for good, to take it for good, to, to fix what has gone wrong. Or, or maybe it sounds like Jesus is about to take power, but that Peter and the others are going to be left behind when he does. That all of a sudden they're not going to be part of the plan anymore. I'll follow you. I'll willingly die for you. Whatever it takes, don't leave me behind. And none of that is what Jesus has in mind at all. That's not it. Peter's missed the point. He's lost the plot. Peter is willing to die for Jesus on Peter's own terms. He's willing to serve Jesus on Peter's own terms. So long as Jesus is doing what Peter thinks he's doing. And Peter is probably feeling very emotional. Uh, and his fears, his feelings of inadequacy. Every time he has ever wondered why Jesus would choose him as a follower. Every time he has ever felt unworthy. Every moment he has ever felt in his life abandoned or being afraid that he was going to be abandoned, is probably racing through his mind at that moment. If you're familiar with what's coming in the book of John, then you know that, that very soon Jesus will be arrested. And, and Peter, in his confused bewildered, emotionally fragile state will show himself suddenly much less willing to die for Jesus on, on terms that Peter himself does not get to choose in a situation he clearly does not expect. But, but, here is the hope. Peter does get there. Not before Jesus dies, but he does get to that point where he is willing to serve, even to die for Jesus, even if it doesn't look the way Peter expected or wanted. He gets there. He does get there.
Have you ever had a conversation with someone? Probably have. Have you ever asked them a question and when they started to answer, you, you kind of start thinking to yourself, that's not what I asked you about at all. Have you had that experience? I think probably we've all had conversations like that. Uh, and probably we've all done that ourselves, too. Though I think it's harder to realize that's what's happening when we're the ones doing it. Because if we realized we were doing it, we probably wouldn't do that. I, I was meeting with my spiritual director a couple months ago. And he asked me a question. He asked me, he kind of stopped me as we were talking to ask me this. He said, who are you? Who is Nate? And that really threw me off. And I wasn't sure how to start answering that. And when I tried, he stopped me. And he said, no, 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 no. Not what do you do. Who are you? It's not the same thing. So I started again, and I got about a sentence into my answer when I stopped and realized, shoot, I'm doing it again. I'm just describing things that I do. It was really difficult for me to come up with something that didn't have to do with my own actions, with tasks I complete, or accomplishments, or activities that I value, or the work I do, or whatever. I wouldn't have even realized I was doing that without him stopping me and pointing it out. If you haven't had someone ask you the question, who are you, and really tried hard to answer it without resorting to things that you do in answering it, I would really encourage you to try to think through that. It was a very helpful exercise for me, and difficult. I think something like that is, is what is happening with Peter here. And I think it happens with us oftentimes as well, where, where Jesus asks something of us. He's asking something of Peter. And we go off trying to accomplish something, maybe something good or something that seems important, but not actually the thing he's asked us to do. Often the thing we're asked to do is simple. Like, oh, I don't know, loving one another. Or spending time with God. Just me and him. Spend the time. Maybe sometimes it's not picking a fight for Jesus. Or, or, or making sure this other person is doing the right thing, which I can't control anyways, which, which actually no one has ever asked me to do. Peter is so wrapped up in his own ideas, in his own head, that he starts making these big, desperate promises and misses that Jesus has actually already asked him to do something completely different. And Jesus kind of calls him out on that. Really? Really, Peter? You're going to lay down your life for me? You're not even... You're going to die for me? That's what you're telling me? You're not even going to make it through the night, Peter. 
You're not even going to last that long. Who's asking you to do that, Peter? It's not me. I'm not asking you to die for me. I've already asked you to do something else. Love these people that you have here. That's what I'm asking you to do. And you've got some work to do in that, by the way, Peter. You're going to be learning how to do that for a while. So settle in. Settle in, Peter. That's how they'll know you're my disciple. Not because you're dying for me. But because you're loving one another. Do that, Peter. That's how I'm asking you to serve me. I'm not asking you to die. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm actually going to do that for you. You got this backwards. How well do you feel like you know the people around you? You don't have to answer, but think about that for a moment. Look around the room. How, how well do you know the, the people around you? Have you been getting to know each other better? I hope so. You know, this is part of the reason we've been doing this service the way we've been doing it. It's because of this. This command. Love one another as I have loved you. How well can we love one another if we don't know one another? I love that. I love that that's going on. Seriously, how well? How well can we do that? How well can we love one another if we don't know one another? That is hard to do. Some of my best friends are, are people who I can be silent with and, and have that be okay. But that's because we know each other so very well. Because we have spent time together, talking together, eating together, just being together. It's hard to get to know people without doing those things. It's hard to tell that there's something going on with this person. I should check and see how they are without knowing them. To celebrate each other's joys if we don't know they're happening. To, to mourn with one another in difficulty if, we, if we're not plugged into each other's lives. hard to get there without doing those things together. If we're going to follow this command to love one another as Christ loved, well, who knows you better than Jesus? No one. No one does. If Peter is going to love the other disciples that way, if we are going to love one another that way, we have to know each other. 
We have to share with each other, share our lives, share our dreams, share our hurts, our fears, our, our hopes, our love. Those things all come together. That's part of the package. It's important. And so we've got on the tables, we've got the, the question sheets, like always. Uh, and you'll, you'll notice that the questions are pretty personal today. They're not, as, they're not questions about the text. They're questions that come out of it, but they're not questions about it. And it's really wrapped around this idea that we want to love one another. And we want to care for one another. Because that's a command that Christ lays out in the text here. To love one another. So it's going to be personal. And if, if, it, if you're not there with this group, that's okay. If you don't feel like you, can, you have something that you can share, if that feels too much, if that's not safe then that's okay. That's okay. You don't need to be there right now. But it's these sort of conversations that help us to get to know each other, to really know each other, and to be able to love one another in those times where there are great joys, where there are great pains. So that's, that's where these questions are coming from today. So I'm going to read them out, and then let's spend some time discussing them. The first two aren't even questions. Number one, share about a time when you felt loved. Okay. Number two, share about a time when you felt abandoned. As Peter was probably feeling. And number three, this one's actually a question. Are you perhaps trying to do something for God that he has not asked you to do? Or, or where you actually need to return to something he has commanded you to do? And then pray for one another. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. We can practice loving one another in doing that. Okay. Uh, step away, we'll have some time to do that, and then I'll come back. As we wrap up prayer, um, we're about to step upstairs and worship together and take communion. Um, It is such a good thing, such a good thing for us that uh, we, have, we have a God who holds us up, who is there, who does not abandon us, who loves us, and who we get to participate in loving one another with as well. Um, yeah. I'm going to pray quickly and then and then let's let's move upstairs together.
Father, thank you for your church. Thank you that we do have these opportunities to to come together, to to let each other in and to to let each other know us and and to to receive that from other people too. Uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to love one another, to support one another. Lord, we're so thankful for you, for your hand. We, we cannot do this. We cannot get through this life without you. Thank you that we have you and that we have your son. Thank you for your spirit within us. In your holy name, amen.